0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Four Feathers podcast. I am your host, Johnny Nani, joined today by Ron Luce. Uh, Ron, we got some exciting news to talk about today. Before any of that, let's crack them to get caught up on the Hawks. Ron, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, Last time I think I recorded was only with Tony, so it's good to be back with you talking some hockey here, and we have some major news to talk about, Ron. Blackhawks are in the playoffs, man. How are you feeling about that? Uh, playoffs. It's it's
1: so just odd. Right. Because I, I remember when we were doing these episodes back in, you know, February and they're just not doing well. And everybody's like, yeah, playoffs probably isn't going to happen. You know, we were kind of prepping ourselves mentally for the offseason
0: and just I think we had a funeral for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
1: I was going to say, I think there's an episode titled Funeral. And um yeah, I mean, obviously under crazy circumstances, but here we are, the the Blackhawks squeak in as the 12th seed in the West, and I, I know every anything can happen, and it's, it's intriguing because I think it's, you know, I think it would have felt a little worse if it was like a best of three series, Um, but it being a best of five I think is interesting, and obviously we'll get more into that uh, here shortly, but yeah, man blackhawk playoff hockey is actually a thing this year at least play in playoff hockey whatever you want to call it uh but extra season is happening nonetheless for the blackhawks unlike the other seven teams that didn't make the even tournament per se um that'll just be staying home and waiting to see where they pick in the draft
0: yeah for sure ron a lot of details to unpack here on this episode so this when we're recording tuesday may 26th um to get behind all of this, uh, get you caught up on all the news here. Um, earlier in the day today, um, Gary Bettman, had a press conference, sort of a virtual thing that they aired on NHL Network and NBC Sports Network, um, and it was the NHL's return-to-play plan, um, which they had, you know, we had heard the news that they had agreed to it, uh, I believe, over the weekend, and, you know, some things are being floated, some details about it, uh, even as early as mid-last week, um, but today made it official, uh, NHL being one of the first uh, leagues to do this, too, so um, that's definitely noteworthy here, but um, like I said, the return-to-play plan plan has three phases before actual gameplay can resume and phase one is what we're in now we have been uh since the whole thing got uh suspended uh temporarily and that is continued isolation that will go on at least until early june when phase two they hope can kick in uh, and that would be voluntary training in small groups so getting those guys back to team facilities getting those reopened um, and there would still be you know distancing like you know they said they said small groups meaning uh six being the max there um so you know that works perfectly for the guys that could be on the ice uh, that time but the hopeful date for that is in early june um and then phase three would be a formal training camp opening for the whole team um everyone together and um Interesting note that Bettman had said there, Ron, was that it would not be earlier than the first half of July. And I kept looking for dates on this, and every official announcement from the NHL's website, from the Blackhawks website, from all of these, said the first half of July, not earlier than the first half of July. So, Ron, this makes me think that, you know, they have to do what they can in the situation. Obviously, all this is subject subject to change uh, based on uh, health authorities and uh, local governments, um, weighing in on the subject as well but we're probably not even going to be seeing actual gameplay until august and that's if things go smoothly yeah it really is starting to feel that way and and
1: tony pitched that you know when this news really started to drop in in our four feathers chat room and yeah i mean right now you have to think that playoff hockey is going to probably bleed into early october At this point, I mean, it's really starting to feel that way. Like the Stanley Cup final might happen in October of 2020. And that's just like you said, assuming everything goes smoothly. I mean, anything can happen. There could be a huge hiccup. You know, one of these local governments is, you know, and I'm sure that's what we'll get to here in a second about the hub cities. But, you know, they really got to figure out what hub cities are going to be okay with this and really support this plan, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, not earlier than the first half of July to me means the earliest you see anything is probably that week following the July 4th holiday. So I believe that is July 6th. Is that Monday? Maybe. Yeah, it is. So maybe 6th, 7th is probably, I think, the earliest you see a training game.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting. I wanted to lay those out uh, and get your thoughts on it real quick because that is the first three phases that have to happen um, before any of this can be set into motion. But we'll get into the details because Gary Bettman had himself a mouthful uh, as he was reading these off, uh, and it can be a lot to take in, so bear with us here. We'll try and break it down step by step here. Uh, the next thing, though, is the actual 2014 playoff itself. Ron, you had alluded to the two hub cities. Um, this is you know to do the best for... Um, You know, restricting travel as much as possible, um, having, you know, safe hotels, uh, practice uh, facilities, uh, and actually the arenas themselves. Uh, So the city's under consideration for uh, these two hub cities, and I believe they want one to be in the east, one to be in the west. Uh, I think Bettman said that on his follow-up comments on NBC Sports Network today. But the cities under consideration for this right now are Las Vegas, Toronto, Chicago, Columbus, Edmonton, Dallas, Los Angeles, Minnesota vancouver and pittsburgh um, and then with that uh, teams will be limited to 50 personnel in that hub city with only a small number of support staff permitted to enter uh the event arenas so um playoff hockey uh whether it be the blackhawks or not could be returning i mean you know if the hawks were playing in the west it would be but uh if chicago gets that nod round it could see playoff hockey not how we're accustomed to it but back uh at the madhouse on madison
1: Yeah, it'd be crazy. And here's something that I want to just get your quick take on. And this is the only kind of takeaway I have from this based on the city selection. Because like you said, Bettman wants one of these teams, one of these cities be in the West, one to be in the East. If you look at that list, though, outside of Pittsburgh, Columbus and Toronto, all of those cities are Western Conference cities. Mm. So I guess my crazy question would be what happens if hypothetically Vegas and Chicago are the two hub cities. If you're the Hawks, you probably have to go play in Vegas when the East is playing
0: in your own arena. Yeah, So I don't
1: think they would do that, but what if that happened?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, these, uh, one little caveat, uh, with, uh, associated with these is that they're uh, in Canada. Yeah, at least it's not in the U.S. So the Can the Canadian cities that they had under consideration for this um, Edmonton, Vancouver, obviously Toronto affected all by this um, was a mandatory 14-day quarantine. And they said uh, the NHL is working with the Canadian government right now uh, to try and you know work something out. I think that you know that that'll probably be something uh, they'll be discussed more in depth over the next month um, before they have to really make that decision on where this is going to be. Um, but uh, right now you can rule out those cities and put, you know, what you're looking at one, two Eastern conference cities, really. So yeah, Ron, that would be yeah. definitely interesting if the Blackhawks have a, you know, uh, as a Western conference team having to play out in Vegas, uh, or somewhere out there, uh, or Dallas, uh, per se, it'd be interesting. So um, we'll move on here uh, to the actual, you know, qualifications themselves. Um, Top four teams in each conference uh, play round robin to determine seating. uh, And they will have regular season overtime rules for those. Um, So the top four in the West being St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, top four in the East, Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, Philadelphia. And then if there is a uh, tie in those points that they accumulate from that round round robin uh, of games, then it will go by uh, the regular season percentage of points. And that was more, uh, Bettman kind of alluded to, getting those guys some actions. So they're not just thrown into the most competitive time of the year um, without having anything uh, under their belt. So, you know, those guys could go 0 for uh, and still, you know, Um, be in the playoffs they're not going to get penalized for that so um, but then after that the qualifying uh, round matchups and that's what you said kind of the play-in round so to say Blackhawks are the 12th seed in the west last one in the west and they would play the five seed Oilers in a best of five series and all these qualifying rounds uh, are playing by playoff overtime rules um, so each of those winners uh, of the qualifying round will advance and they'll face one of those top four teams um, based on seeding. They don't know if they're going to do it uh, with brackets or seating. Uh, they said that was a point that was also still up for discussion and probably will be, like I said, over the next month. Um, and the first and second round lengths uh, still to be determined if they want to do best of five or seven. But the conference finals and the cup final will be best of seven. So, Ron, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> thoughts on this before we really dive into the Hawks-Oilers matchup here.
1: Yeah, I think just overall uh, something that I am I'm very intrigued by. I think it's good that the top 4 teams in each conference play in round get that round robin. Obviously, 3 of the 4 in the west I could care less for because they're central teams, but you know, just for sake you know, of fairness of play, I think it's a good move. Um, you know, they're going to get at least like you said some type of action just to get the legs ready, get you know, warmed up. And you know what? If you're a team like Dallas, that's an excellent opportunity to get a higher seed. Now, granted, the only thing in this scenario it's going to really do for you is, you know, I I would assume if you're the quote-unquote home team, you get the second change. So that would be helpful if you're you know, the higher seed. But then you're also playing the least competition, ideally. So, you know, for a team like Dallas in the West or in the East, I believe the fourth seed right now is Philadelphia, if I remember correctly those teams actually have a lot to play for in this round Robin, because all of a sudden you become the home team in a series, quote unquote, obviously you're not your own arena, but you would ideally get the second change. And then, you know, in that case, you're also playing the least, you know, least competitive team then that's remaining after these playing rounds. So, you know, some of these three, four teams on each side actually have a lot to play for, which makes these kind of cool. I think too. Um, but then, yeah, just kind of moving along. Uh, obviously, you know, I think the way they're doing it makes sense. Regular season OT rules for the play-in round. And then, obviously, playoff OT rules for these play-in games. The best of five. Um, I'd be really intrigued to see what, the like you said, the first and second round lengths are going to be. I wouldn't be shocked if they're only best of fives just because... You know, time, how long is that on their side? Exactly, exactly. How long can you really carry this out? But it makes total sense to have the conference and cup finals be best of seven. I think those absolutely should. So um, I have one thought about the five playing the 12 uh, based on a tweet that I saw earlier, but I will keep it to myself until we start breaking down the Oilers Hawks series.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that's, you know, interesting that that is uh, where the Hawks are slated in there as a 12, um, because you look at, you know, it it was uh, interesting, I was watching a little bit of sports talk live run, um, and they kind of had a, you know, a little bit of a round table panel uh, discussing uh, this, you know, all all this news that broke today, and they said it was kind of like March Madness you're like waiting there, waiting for your, like, selection Sunday team, you know, selection Tuesday, I guess, in this case, Uh, but yeah, seeing the Blackhawks officially pop up on that graphic there as a 12 seed, and I will read off all these matches and then obviously get to the one that we all care most about and that being the Blackhawks and Oilers but um, I you know I I think that you know a couple players leading up to this have made uh, comments about this I I don't know if it was Ryan O'Reilly from the Blues I don't want to put words in someone's mouth but I believe I saw a score update and then you know you don't want it to be a COVID cup so to say so um, they, you know, as Bettman, uh, laid out, uh, in his presser that, uh, he worked with, you know, members of the players union, they did a lot of interviews and research to get just a grasp, uh, on what the overall feeling was, uh, the pulse from around the league. So, um, you know, it, it's an unprecedented situation. Uh, it sucks that it has to be this way. Uh, we would be what? watching beginning of the Stanley cup final, maybe the end of the conference final right now. Um, if, if things were to go regular, obviously the Hawks wouldn't have been in it, but, um, if there was no pandemic and we would, that's just where we would be right now. Um, and we'd be watching some grueling series there, but, um, you know, so you can say what you want about this ruins the integrity of the game, but Hey, you try being in the logistics department. I said it on both this show and on uh, our sock show for on tap sports net, that, uh, the logistics are just a nightmare uh, for mm-hmm. all of this. Imagine being the, the person organizing this and making sure that everything uh, goes, you know, first of all, they haven't even determined the hub cities, but as soon as that goes into effect, making sure that all these protocols are in place so that they're having the best player safety. And obviously that's their top priority um, with all of this, but then, you know, the scheduling uh, of things and uh, lining up TV broadcasts too, because you think about people that have to be coming into the arena, um, they're going to have to make money from the TV side of things. So, uh, mm-hmm. You got to make sure everything's smoothed out uh, with them and there's no breaking of protocol there um, with TV crews coming in uh, to set up, you know, whether that be cameramen, announcers, um, sound guys, all of that. So um, logistical nightmare. So uh, they did w- what they can. And it's just cool that the NHL is one of the first to announce this because it gives us a glimmer of hope around. I think it's the biggest thing about today. Um, sure, not the way I imagined it and definitely not the way I expected it, but, we can say uh, on the show officially in the first time before Feathers existence that the Blackhawks are in the playoffs, uh, which is, you know, pretty interesting. So let's get to this uh, actually here. I have the playoff matchups listed out. Um, I'll read through all of them. And then obviously we will get to Hawks versus Edmonton here. So uh, in the West, as I mentioned, the top four, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, that was all based on points percentage uh, from the regular season uh, from what it was played up until I believe March 11th was the last day they had games. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are the top four that will be playing in the Rod Robin. But then the qualifying ground matchups, these are best of five series. Edmonton, the five seed against the Hawks, the 12th seed. Nashville, the sixth seed against Arizona, the 11th seed. Vancouver, the seventh seed against Minnesota, the 10th seed. Calgary, the eighth seed against Winnipeg, the ninth seed. Uh, out east top four will be boston tampa bay washington philadelphia playing in that round robin same as the west and then the play uh qualifying round matchups will be uh pittsburgh as a fifth seed versus montreal the 12th seed carolina is a sixth seed versus the rangers is the 11th seed islanders is a seventh seed versus florida as a 10th seed and toronto the eighth seed versus columbus as a ninth seed um First of all, a couple comments that had come through and teams that had been opposed to this were probably the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I think that was pretty vocal. Um, That was made known over the weekend. And then the Edmonton Oilers. I cannot imagine they'd be too thrilled about having to meet Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays and Corey Crawford in the first round. Not saying that they beat him, but uh, it's an element that they definitely didn't expect. And being just one seed out of that, you know, top four where they'd be secure. Uh, And then same goes for uh, the Penguins for as much firepower as they have and as healthy as they're going to get. Uh, having to play Kerry Price in the first round, uh, probably not what they expected. So um, uh, take it away, Ron, with any thoughts on any of these matchups that we'll dive into uh, the head-to-head of the Blackhawks Oilers. Yeah, I mean, these there's some actually some very intriguing matchups. I think some of these
1: could be a lot of fun to watch, and I think you could see a lot of upsets, because really, even though this is the seeding, you know, like you said, kind of with teams like Pittsburgh and Edmondson, you look at the amount of points they had. They were not that far away from those top four seeds, especially in the east the east is much closer and tighter than the west is but you know there's a very good chance that like an 11 seed new york can knock off carolina they were getting hot you know now obviously you know you're the you know any momentum you had going into you know mid-march is probably gone unfortunately just because of the circumstances so you know but still, any truly anything can happen. You know, all these teams are NHL teams for a reason. And especially in the East, I think you'll see a lot of upsets in the East. I really do. I think like a Florida could beat a New York Islanders. I think a Columbus can beat Toronto. You know, I think a Rangers could beat Carolina. I You know, as, as crazy as I think it is, I think a Montreal could potentially beat Pittsburgh if, if Pittsburgh's not ready to play. Um, I still expect Pittsburgh to win. I truly do still expect Carolina to win. But those other two... I think they're total toss-ups. Kind of think the same thing with the West. I think Minnesota could beat Vancouver. I really do. Um, I think Winnipeg could absolutely beat Calgary. Um, You know, I think there's a chance Arizona, if they play well, if they play to their, you know, potential, as you would say, could beat Nashville. And uh, let's be honest, there is always a chance that the Hawks could beat Edmonton. It might not be a huge chance. It's not, you know, 50% necessarily, but there's a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, like the famous GIF. So you're saying there's a chance? I mean, there's a chance. And uh, but one thing I did see today that I thought was hysterical was uh, I believe it was Eric Lear tweeted and he you said about the March Madness. And that's mm-hmm. exactly where he was going with that. He goes last time I checked my bracketology memory. The 12 seed always beats the five seed. Yep. And I thought that was absolutely hysterical because it's like, well, yeah, that's true you know, and it's just like anything can happen. And I mean, you know, I think, and, and obviously I know we're going to dig into the the actual, you know, Blackhawks matchup here, but you know, you figure if I think a big thing right now for the Hawks, and I guess we can kind of maybe lead off on this point. A lot of it's going to be health because they were really kind of limping into that late part of the season. You know, yep. obviously DeHaan's not likely back. He he had surgery in January. I don't expect him back at all. Um, Seabrook had dual hip surgery in January. He's definitely not back. I, at this point, we'd be lucky to see Seabrook in the 2021 season. And, you know, you know, what's, what's yeah. going on with the, Shaw, you know, what's yeah. going on with some of these other guys, you know, assuming maybe Shaw comes back, you might get a little bit of a, a depth spark, um, you know, but defensively, you know, two, you know, too, you know pretty decent guys, especially DeHaan. DeHaan was still your plus minus leader. He only played 29 games this year. Yeah. And he was plus 10. You know, so that should just show that, you know, they're they're still a little depleted. And I, I think that's something that'll be interesting. But, you know, Edmonton's not exactly the deepest team either. They rely on their stars as well. I think that's why this will be kind of a fun matchup, because it really kind of is a, you know, Patrick Kane versus Connor McDavid, a Jonathan Taves versus Leon Dreisidel, you know, and Adam Larson versus Duncan Keith. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, and even in goal, I mean, Mike Smith or or um, uh, oh, what's his name? Koskinen, you know,
0: mm-hmm. versus
1: essentially Crow, because let's be honest, Subban's not going to play. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be Crawford. There's, there's no denying that. You know, obviously, Stan pissed that idea away when he traded Leonard at the deadline. So, you know, but then that's another point, right? How, how much does goalie depth mean now in this playoff format? You got Vegas, who's loaded up with Leonard and and uh, Mark Andre Fleury. You know, you got a t- a team like uh, St. Louis, who has Bennington and Jake Allen. You know, Colorado's goalie goaltending has been. Good, but they've been a little unhealthy. Carolina's is Carolina's goaltending going to be healthy? You know, there's so many fun questions. I think to all yeah, of they, these.
0: they they got to the point where they were playing Anton Forsberg. At least started him for yeah, one.
1: Day. Exactly. <laughs> that, it was him and him and Njelkovic, which was their starting AHL goaltender. They were both yeah. up in the in the NHL. But that's a you know that's something interesting too. Are, are James Reimer and uh, Peter Morazic going to be healthy? Because you have a healthy Peter Morazic with how much they loaded up at the deadline. They got Brady Shea. They got, um, what's his face from New Jersey? Um, Sammy Votnin. They loaded up at the deadline. That's one team that I, again, would pro- it's probably pissed because they loaded up at the deadline to try and make a run late in the season and try and improve yeah. their playoff position. So, uh, you know, I know the, the purest side of me in hockey is like, I hate this because it's going to screw up next season and it potentially screws up the following season and how it starts and everything like that. Uh, and for me, I'm a off-season nerd, so I like my July first free agency holiday. To mm-hmm. me, that's just such a great time between that and the Fourth of July here in the states. Um, but again, my uh, one of my you know one of our on-trap contributors, you know, he's not officially with us, but he's done some stuff with us. Uh, my buddy Zach. He said it best, you know, nobody's going to bitch because it's live sports. It's yeah. just the name of the game right now. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like this format. And I'll admit I'm not the huge, biggest fan of it. But because it's live sports, I'm going to watch. I'm going to be intrigued by it, and I'm I'm going to try and take something positive away from it. I know you hate it, but I'm going to try and find that silver lining, Johnny. Yeah, because no,
0: for sure, for sure, <laughs> Ron. What what I do in a situation like this is, I think you know, because you, you know me, I'm all about logistics for things and how, how things are going to run smoothly and the organization of them. And I just think. I'll go back to the phrase again. I'll sound like a broken record. I don't care. Logistical nightmare. You present to me a better situation than what they've done. And you got a piece, you know, both sides uh you got to be able to have the players input obviously that's extremely important but the owners are going to be the ones that are helping put this thing on the commissioner is going to be the one that is running all of this um he's the one that came out with the announcement today um and nothing would get done without his approval on it so um you you find something that would have worked for both sides and been the ideal thing and, and let us know in the detailed format um like we're having to comb through all this today so uh, that's where I stand on it and absolutely live sports back. I think that's, you know, um, the, what anybody has been. Uh, yeah, Obviously, we've had some NASCAR, we've had some UFC and, and that's great. But, you know, team sports um, in, in back on your televisions uh, in, in the most meaningful time of the year. And I would, you know, we're biased here, but uh, I think pretty much everybody, even I talk to fit people who aren't hockey first people that the Stanley Cup playoffs are always the uh, most intense uh, of any um you know Absolutely. route to determine a championship so uh, i i'm definitely totally excited for it uh just a couple comments uh out east i mean toronto in the first round uh losing always that, that's their that's their bread and butter that's what they do <laughs> usually usually it's them getting knocked out by the boston bruins in round 1 um but this year it looks like it's going to have to be the columbus blue jackets so um did, what have you that's going to happen there um i will uh, tell uh, you this
1: johnny i don't mean to cut you off just very quickly if the top seeds in these play-in games all win in the East. Boston technically in the first round, quote-unquote, will play Toronto, Toronto and can still yeah. knock them out.
0: So. That's true. <laughs> that, that's true. But, you know, whenever it starts, though, I feel like Toronto has to lose. That just seems like it's been the theme forever since, like, Tradition. twenty. Like- 11. It seems yeah. like. So, um, yeah, other than that, you know, the interesting one, the, the Pittsburgh's gripe about Montreal, uh, having Kerry price, you know, having to face him. Um, I, I could see that being a little bit closer than they'd like. Um, but I still think Pittsburgh prevails in that one. Um, they, they led the season series and that was with them being so banged up. Uh, you get some of those pieces back and you have Connor McDavid of Malkin, who've been there, done it plenty of times. Um, I don't see that, uh, Being where the end of the road is for the Pittsburgh Penguins out east. Um, Other than that, I think like the other ones that you'd said of Florida uh, and the Islanders. Um, you never know. Uh, when you're in Barry Trott's system, I feel like it's a flow, a game-by-game thing, and, and yeah. you figure out how to best disrupt the other team. That's what they're all about, uh, the defensive responsibility there. Um, if you get a Florida team that comes out and breaks that down the first two games, you could be looking at early elimination for the Flyers there. Um, and then the Rangers, you can't count out Mika Zibanejad and uh, Artemi Panarin. Those guys are nasty. So, um, against Carolina there, uh, interesting. But, you know, Carolina also, when they get Vincent Troche Tro- too um from florida and that yeah. so uh, they kind of bolstered themselves uh, ahead of the trade deadline as well uh, but getting back west um calgary winnipeg i think that, that'd be fun to watch um obviously winnipeg uh, big buff is uh severed his contract with the team so he, he is not an option it's not like he's going to come back uh and be playing for them there but um you know a guy like Matthew Kachuk feel like he's a gamer uh Calgary could probably hold their own in the series against Winnipeg um Vancouver Minnesota yeah if Elias Petterson's not hot um w- when they come back that could be the difference uh that lets a Minnesota team beat uh Vancouver Nashville was up and down but I feel like they're back uh even I was at the game actually when Ryan Ellis came back and the Hawks were able to defeat them in that game but um Feel like nashville should be able to take care of arizona but yeah, then again you have phil kessel you got taylor hall um never know i think goalie play though um could be uh the downfall of arizona out there but let's get to this one we'll break it down in depth here blackhawks versus oilers um the one that we're all spotlighting here. Obviously, this is the Four Feathers podcast all about your Blackhawks. So um, let's get into the fun stuff. The regular season records, Oilers were 37, 25, and 9 uh, at 83 points. Uh, That's good for a 585-point percentage uh, when the season was suspended. Blackhawks were 32, 30, and 8, 72 points. Um, That was a 514-point percentage. In the head-to-head, though, Ron, uh, Blackhawks took two of three. Uh, And the Oilers, so the Blackhawks won both games that were at the United Center. The Oilers uh, won the game out in Edmonton in the middle of that terrible, terrible uh, West Coast road trip for the Blackhawks Mm -hmm. that we thought officially sunk them. Um, Probably should have, but the hockey gods had um, some light shining down on us, obviously, today uh, with this news. So, going to be in a neutral site, though, Ron. So, does that have any impact on this? I think it could. Um,
1: I really do. Just, I think from the standpoint of it just comes down to you know how well you can just play you know there is no travel you have to worry about you're not getting in at 1 a.m before the game the next day you know um like you said they were on that terrible west coast swing and i want to say they played the night before against edmonton or that was the first game of a back-to-back i can't remember but you know they they
0: never played well in the first game of back to backs this year as we saw, but they were great in the second game of back to backs for whatever forsaken reason. Um yeah, I think that was the first one and they played Vancouver the next night and they absolutely outchanced Vancouver but still lost like two to nothing. I was gonna
1: say I think Markstrom stole that game if I remember yeah. correctly. But yeah, I mean so you know I think it really does play into impact. I really think now you're going to say and this is something that Tony brought up um when we when we last spoke uh, he and I on uh, on four feathers, the, the previous episode, you know, this is really going to come down to coaching because you're going to play. You have to play matchups. And in this case, the Hawks are the quote unquote away team. So you have the first change. And so, you know, it's really going to come down on Colleton of how do you play your matchups against Edmonton Because you have to take advantage of your, of your assuming two games that you'll get out of the, the five that you're the home team, quote unquote, and you get the first change. If you could take advantage of those and then steal one from Edmonton, that's how you're going to win. Uh, because like you said, they won both games at the United Center where they have the second change and they can play their matchups better. They lose in Edmonton where Edmonton has the ability to say, "Ooh, Connor McDavid, you're going to play against the Hawks four line tonight. You know, that's going to mm-hmm. be a big deal. So um, I really do think the, the biggest thing I do agree. I think a neutral site plays in because now it's going to rely heavier on your matchups and how you play your matchups. When, you know, you're still playing the the change, you know, you're playing that home away advantage, but in this case, it's just in a neutral site. So I think that still comes into play, but the travel aspect of home versus away doesn't come into play. So I think that helps energy levels of these teams. And I think you honestly, you'll at least see a, a very competitive product then because of that. Um, you know, I, and I'm 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 very impressed too, Johnny. And I just I have to give you a little bit of crap about this, but I'm impressed that Connor McDavid is going to be playing for both the Edmonton Oilers and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. Where
0: where are you going with this? You said Connor McDavid instead of Sidney Crosby. Ah, <laughs> uh, got me. I, I was I was in the stream of consciousness. For I now. know
1: you were just you were rolling. Now, that's that's you broke why me. I...
0: You got me. That's all good. That's why you're here. You got to fact check me. Call me out. Um, yeah, but um. With, uh, I just had a couple, um, on the actual head to head here. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Connor McDavid didn't even play though in the, uh, game that the Oilers won. Um, and like I said, that was in the middle of that road trip with the Blackhawks for just on a terrible stretch of hockey. Um, uh, but I, either way, even when he did play though, uh, in those two games at the United Center, October 14th and March 5th. So fairly recently, um, at least for recent as in, uh, last time hockey was played goes, um, he was held uh, goalless. He, I believe he still had uh, – he's always going to pile up assists, and him and Dreisaitl are just ridiculous together. Um, but he didn't uh, he, he didn't score at all, They'd find the back of the net, uh, which was pretty amazing uh, to me. But uh, in those games, though, in all of them, uh, the Oilers did outchance uh, the Blackhawks. So that's another uh, just note um, to put there, even though the Blackhawks did end up winning two of those games. And I believe in this most recent one, the Hawks got out to like a 4-1 lead Uh, And then almost choked it away, Uh, and it got down to 4-3, and they were finally able to shut the door on it. So um, I wouldn't go beaming with confidence into this, but also, um, as we kind of discussed, I could see this being, you know, just a Patrick Kane-fest. And I think that's uh, one of the most dangerous things. And they talked about, I got a score notification while I was up, uh, disconnected from the World for the weekend, but it was about X factors coming into play. And one of those out East was Carrie price, uh, going up against Pittsburgh Penguins and then Patrick Kane here, uh, going up against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, some of the best hands in the league, you, you don't want to go and have to play that, uh, when you would not have had to, uh, had things been normal. So, um, man, I, I couldn't give you a prediction right now. I think we'd have to get closer and see, um, if there would be any reinforcements And have said, uh, it's, Probably highly unlikely, but hell, let's wait and see the defenseman of a, Dehan, uh, see the status of a defenseman like DeHaan, um, Zach Smith, a, a role player. You know, the Oilers had some of the, you know, I think it was the best power play in the league. Yeah. They were at 29.5%. Uh, they were first going into that. If you have a guy like Zach Smith, I'm not saying he's going to make or break you, but you have all three of those guys, Smith, Carpenter and camp there, along with Jonathan Taves. Your penalty kills looking a little just that much stronger and could be the tipping point difference in a game where Edmonton, you know, uh, the Hawks are able to make one last clear. They're able mm-hmm. to you know, the small, fine details of the game um, and that last face off. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. And it's the the intensity level is going to be ratcheted up. Um, Zach Smith, a little bit more of a veteran presence. Like I said, I'm not not saying he's going to be the difference in the series, but it could be the small things that end up adding up if the Blackhawks were able to pull off an upset in this case. Absolutely. And and just to quickly add
1: on to that, too. Right. I mean, you know, uh, like you said, a Zach Smith and, and those guys on the penalty kill, you know, Blackhawks had a top 10 penalty kill this year for the first time in quite some years. Um, and I think a lot of that was because of guys like Ryan Carpenter, like Zach Smith. You know, Jonathan Taves seeing more you know PK time again. Uh, Brandon Saad played a lot of PK this year. Um, you know, when he was you know healthy, Calvin Dehan played a lot of PK. Uh, Connor Murphy played a lot of PK. So. You know, I agree. I think a lot of it does come down to those reinforcements. How many guys are going to truly be healthy that are back from that original opening night team? Um, and I, I know everybody's like, "Well, DeHaan didn't play on opening night." I got it, but assuming he was healthy, he it was, was going like to be a starter. Yeah,
0: come on. Yeah. So,
1: like, you know, the team that you would have expected to be the who is your guys, assuming everybody's healthy. You know, if you get a couple of those type guys back, that is agreed. You know, a huge difference in the series. Um, versus if you're without a Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw, uh, a Calvin DeHaan, you know, and even a Brent Seabrook at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, so on the Edmonton side of that, um, the two injuries that are uh, noted here are Mike Green. So another uh, guy on the back end for uh, Edmonton's side. Um, status obviously still unclear, just like it would be for someone like Dehan or Andrew Shaw or Zach Smith on the Blackhawks side. Um, but he, he had a knee injury that he was dealing with. So um, on NHL.com, could return to the lineup. Uh, same goes for forward uh, Joachim uh, knee guard. So, um, you know, could be, you know, small difference makers, um, just pieces to keep an eye on there. Um, like I said, the matchup there, uh, that would be very interesting to watch uh, how the Blackhawks would deal with a uh, top, ranked uh, Edmonton power play. Um, and then also, you know, guys like Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid uh, to, Obviously, uh, the top point getters in the league, dry sidle, it was 110 uh, before the season suspended. God, he would have even piled more onto that uh, if games had kept going through the rest of that regular season. McDavid definitely would have got up over 100 there. Um, And he missed some time with the injury. Obviously, he missed one of the games against the Blackhawks uh, when they were out in Edmonton. So um, then again, there's that and there's no denying the skill is still going to be there. No problem. They're going to be recharged. You got those factors going into play. But chemistry. Momentum, like you'd said. Um, if any of that was going for him, it's all that's zapped, that's that's out the window. Um, it's gonna have to be how do you get going from a training camp, uh, aspect, honestly, for how you prepare for the series. And I just think there's too many unknowns right now, so we could, uh, we could see a lot change. So I'm not ready to go and make predictions about it, but I'm glad we kind of went through and saw this head to head. Um, and you know, uh, if Corey Crawford, he was playing some hell, you know, uh, some of the best hockey of uh, the season for himself uh, down the stretch for the Blackhawks. But once again, that momentum, so to say that he had behind him is wiped out. Um, obviously he's going to get the nah, nod. They didn't put Subban in down the stretch of the, any of those regular season games. Uh, he ain't going to play uh, in a playoff series like this. So, you know, Blackhawks have the advantage in net there. Uh, I think that's no, no question about it. Um, and you could get, if Corey Crawford ends up stealing some games, man, you could be looking at the Blackhawks advancing and playing one of those uh, blues, Vegas, Colorado or Dallas. So uh, it would be interesting to see, Ron. Um, but the title of this episode, you got any final thoughts on this before we uh, move on to the to the next sec- segments that we have here? Um,
1: I got nothing else in terms of the playoff formats now.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this quickly um, it, because this was. Once again, extremely confusing information dump all at once. Um, but we'll kind of just go over some of the main points of this. NHL uh, Gary Bettman in part of his announcement today also discussed the NHL draft lottery, um, and I'm just going to read off a quote from it. The 15 clubs eligible to win uh, the first three overall selections are the seven clubs that do not resume play and the eight clubs eliminated in the qualifying play-in round, which obviously includes the Blackhawks and the Oilers. Um, so if the Hawks are eliminated. Uh, in the play in round, they have another shot at the top three pick. So from that, obviously the teams that aren't returning to play, you know, LA, Anaheim, Detroit, um, Buffalo, um, there's a couple others on there, but those teams are automatically in it with those same odds that they had based on their point percentage um, at the end of the season. So that's point one of this. Um, If those teams if they, you know, they're going to do a uh, June 26 when the original draft date was supposed to be, that's when they're going to conduct the phase one of the draft lottery, they call it, um, before the qualifying round would start. So this would be um, three separate draws to determine uh, one, two, and three overall picks. And if those teams that are not playing at all, if those three of those end up being the top three, then that's it. Then they'll determine that, um, you know, they'll, they'll get those picks. And that is what it is. But if, uh, one of those say, um, a non resuming club, uh, receives a pick, um, then a phase two, uh, will come into effect. Um, and that would be conducted before the conference quarterfinals, um, as a phase two of this NHL lottery. So there's a lot of information to unpack there. Um, way Bettman kind of rattled through it was confusing at the time, but um, Bob McKenzie, Pierre Lebrun, they all have some more information on their Twitter. Uh, and our guy, Blackhawks D in Austin, uh, we had on the show a couple episodes ago. Uh, he wrote an article over at OnTap SportsNet sports net for that as well. So um, Blackhawks still have a chance at this run uh, for a lottery pick. It's so goofy. It's like
1: they, in theory, have a chance at the cup. Uh, i bite very small. And they still have a chance to the number one overall pick. It's just such a goofy time in hockey right now.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. So um, I'm sure we will address, you know, we're going to have some more episodes in between now and then. As we know more about this and learn more about it, um, and obviously decisions become clear and they're going to have that first, uh, you know, phase one. So to say, conducted on June 26th, um, after that, I'm sure we'll do one and see where the Hawks stand after that. Um, and then if they are eliminated or if they continue, um, what the status will be on that. So, um, obviously they'd be out of it. They'd be out of that lottery if they did win that first round. So that's just one, uh, implication of that. You may be giving up a, say you go and, you know, you pull off a three, two series winning against the Oilers, and then you go and get swept by, uh, Dallas or Colorado, you know, kind of shoot yourself out of the lottery pick, but you got to play some playoff hockey. So it's interesting. Implications will be up in the air. So we'll, uh, we will uh, readdress that at a later time. Uh, the title of this episode though, Ron is playoffs past and present. And what we've been wanting to do, um, the main focus of some of these episodes has been Hawks rewind 2013. Um, we felt bad because we kind of skimmed after 2010, never got back to doing these, but, um, one of the most fun series in all of these Stanley cup runs, uh, is what okay. we're talking about tonight, Ron, the 2013, uh, second round series against Detroit. Um, man, hawks go and win game one lose three straight backs against the wall um and and then pull off the last three uh excuse me yeah the uh last three that they need uh to win the series and move on obviously eventually win the cup we all know what happens at the end here but the process to get to this um was almost something that you can't even write in a book
1: yeah it's pretty crazy i mean you know it just how like you said just how the momentum moved through that series right game one is you know, they're coming out hot. They just, you know, took care of the wild and, you know, uh, was it five or six? I'm already forgetting. Yeah, it, was, it was five against the wild. They five for the wild. three. Which is right. The, <laughs> the, the Joel Quenville theme. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they come out. They're, they're scorching hot. They were the best team in the league that year. Obviously, the 48-game shortened season that year. Um, you know, they're doing great. You know, Dewey and Kruger are getting on. You know, Sharp is having an unbelievable playoff. Hosa obviously was also having an unbelievable playoff, you know, but then like you said, they lose those three straight, you know, they're, they're brutally outshot in game two, you know, the, the, the trend of game threes, you know, happens and and Howard played very well in this series. I think a lot of people lose sight of that because of the current Jimmy Howard, unfortunately up in Detroit, but you know, and then game four was the iconic Taves taking too many penalties and Seabrook calming them down. And a lot of people thought that was the momentum swing in that series. You know, your captain was refocused. It showed why, I believe, you know, I believe you tweeted it from the four feathers account the one day, you know, it shows why they slapped an A on Seabrook's chest as soon as Patrick Sharp left. Um, you know, there, there was a reason he's considered a captain in that locker room. And then, yeah, they go out and, you know, game five, you know, two big goals from Shaw uh, game six, you know, like you said, it, you know, do or die again. Three unanswered, the magical league penalty shot with one of the greatest gifts ever come out of history. With that, where he just skates past the Detroit bench and they all just look absolutely pissed. You know, and then you know the two-one game seven win, which that game seven alone was a roller coaster. That could have been a series in just itself. You know, they they take the lead, Zetterberg ties it, then the Jalmerson disallowed goal with. A minute 47 remaining. And then obviously, you know, our our friend of the show, Dave Bolin, with the big hit. Seabrook takes the puck at the offensive blue line, walks in and just rips it with a wrist shot past Jimmy Howard uh, to send the Blackhawks on to the conference final, as you mentioned, which that broadcast starts today as we're recording against the L.A. Kings. So just, yeah, what a what a series. And I think a fun fact that a lot of people lose sight of, too. This was the last time the Blackhawks and Red Wings met in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good point, Ron. Uh, obviously, historic rivalry, original six rivalry, um, as much as some of the newer, you know, uh, I guess, age hockey media and fans, I uh, think that's overhyped, overrated. Um, you know, it, it means a lot to the teams that are involved with it. So, um, yeah, I think it means a lot to the league as well. That's why they highlight it so much on national broadcast and what have you. Uh, but yeah, good point. This is right before um, Detroit. Hey, to your Pat Foley, um, talking about it a little bit um on some of those broadcasts uh, and even uh weidman and murray on the radio um talking about you know this is at the time oh the detroit's going to be put out into the east and sure enough they were that after that uh season uh, when they had that realignment uh, and it made sense for them from a time zone standpoint and you know playing games out west was a little bit ridiculous but um you know, kind of having this to cap the rivalry is a great taste to have in your mouth for a Blackhawks fan, uh, and probably extremely better, uh, as a Red Wings fan, but Hey, um, that there was a the beauty of it. And I'm so glad we're getting to relive all of this through Hawks rewind. Now, um, Rod, Just going back through a couple of these, I think you did a good job running down overall of that series, but I just had a few fine points on these, um, game one, uh, paint a picture for you. I was sophomore year of college and I, I just finished my finals the day before game one uh, of this series and me and one of my uh, buddies, he was my roommate at the time. Um, we went up and we went to Game One uh, of that series. Now I'm feeling great. You know, just got done the finals, on top of the world. Hosa's opening scoring uh, with a you know power play clapper, and things are great. Oduya, Kruger, Sharp, all add on. Uh, Crow only allows one. Um, the Hawks win four to one. We're feeling good coming off of that wild series. You know, uh, winning that thing three to one. So um, I'm on top of the world. And then Game Two happens a loss. Okay, yeah, Detroit's you know a good team. That's whatever. We'll get them back Game Three. Well. Game three, of course, is the Q theme. Uh, The his team's always lost games three. Uh, It always seemed to be whatever their game. I think it was games three or yeah, games three through five record was just astronomically worse than their games one, two, and then six through seven uh, Mm -hmm. records, which is just you know kind of interesting for you know someone as hard-lined his cue uh, you'd think you'd have him on at all times but it, it was just the way it was and the numbers support it so um, then obviously uh, game four was that three uh, consecutive penalties and uh, I'd like to take the credit for that but that was actually Patrick Comiskey that threw ah. that tweet out about Seabrook from the Four Feathers account but yeah I mean that's an iconic uh, point of that run even in a game that they lost a game that they don't even score a goal perhaps uh, the most important uh, turning point of that series even in a loss which is weird to think about you usually think about a big goal a big moment big hit whatever it may be big save uh no it was that leadership shown by brent seabrook there um and then backs against the wall, wall uh back home for game five uh shawsey pots two goals um you know taves gets back on track i remember he's like on the goal line and still was able to rip one top shelf past howard um i always remember that just watching that and be like okay captain looks like he's got his head on his shoulders again he's not all discombobulated um the game six rod game six is my favorite one uh, of the series i know like i said game seven gets all the attention but you know nbc sports uh chicago or the blackhawks talk account they put out a tweet right when hawks rewind the day it was starting you know what are you most excited to see what moment are you most excited to relive and i said game seven rightfully rightfully does get all gets all the attention because that was you know the comeback Uh, completed and is such an epic fashion. You know, the, we'll get to the disallowed goal by Jalmerson in a minute, but game six, they just, it it was do or die. Once again, they're back in Detroit um, on the road, hostile environment. They're down two to one after the second period. Hanzus in the first minute, out in front of the net, it was a great, I believe, Jalmerson pinches down to the corner, throws one out in front of the net to Hanzus. And even with the freaking broken wrist, the guy risks one top shelf uh, to get the Blackhawks back on track. Bickle out in front of the net, causing havoc like he has all playoffs and would continue to do. Um, power play, goal out in front. And then for a leak, thank God he made that penalty shot. And obviously you had said uh, it was great. It was beautiful itself, the shot going uh, forehand to backhand, then, you know, uh, lifting it up over Howard's glove. But uh, good thing he made that because people forget that Brunner scored a late goal uh, just under a minute to go um, in that game. So league doesn't convert on that. You're talking about a tie game and possibly overtime going into game six, Blackhawks fighting for their lives. Um, so, you know, the game six for me just kind of not saying that I thought they were going to win the series, but you felt good. You felt like they had momentum and they did Uh Sharpie sc- opened the scoring of that game. Seven uh, Zetterberg tied it early in the third period. And then, you know, should have won in, in regulation. Jalmerson's disallowed goal I was rewatching that. Um, you know uh, when I got home from vacation on uh, Monday and just, you know, the, uh, that was ridiculous. Uh, no way there should have been uh, coincidental penalties there. Uh, Saad got shoved into the bench and then didn't do any, you know. He, he didn't do, basically didn't retaliate at all. But both of them uh, were called for, I believe, unsportsmanlike. And that was just under two minutes ago. So, obviously, everyone's in a frenzy. But then uh, you you uh, drew out that last play exactly how it happened. Uh, the Boland hit. Seabrook's getting in the, the presence of mind to go to the center of the ice. So, you only had one defender in between him and the goalie. Kind of used. And, obviously, when you see the replay, uh, kind of goes off a of Cronwell skate, um, just barely nicks off of it and is able to go and beat Howard. Um, unbelievable way, cap off that series, man. Uh, but still, I, I go back and I think Game Six um, that, that had to be my favorite moment of the series, definitely on the rate yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I think Game Six was was such a fun game because, like you said, I mean, not only are they in a do or die game going into that game, but they also have to come back from being down two to one. You know. After the second period, I mean, you have literally 20 minutes to get your crap together. I'm trying to help it keep it clean, Johnny, I promise. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, trying to help, you know, just get it together. You have 20 minutes. That's it. That's it. Or your 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 magical run is done. The presidential, you know, President's Cup curse exists still. You know, the whole shebang. And like you said, they get it done in the third period. hanzoos with the broken wrist. Bickle who he you know, earned that's how he earned his four million dollar a year contract was this playoff right here and yep and then obviously frolik who i think is one of the most underappreciated guys from that team um you know I really think him and Victor Stahlberg in a lot of ways were just they were fun guys to watch you know grinders third and fourth line players um, could do a lot of things and it comes in a big moment puts a great move on I think a lot of people forget that frolic was a top six forward in Florida before he was acquired. Uh, it just, again, also shows the amount of depth that was on this 2013 team, especially at the wing position. Um, I believe he was a center when he was in Florida, but he was never very good at draws, and that's why he ultimately bumped to the wing. But, you know, he's a guy with a ton of skill, and he he showed it in that play. I mean, like you said, that perfect forehand-backhand, he froze Howard. Howard had no chance on that play.
0: Yeah, no, um, no uh, chance at all. And that doesn't even, you know, we're talking about highlights here, and obviously that's what everyone remembers. But, shit, all the penalty kills just... He before you know, um, obviously Kruger is on this team, but before Kruger really became a household name and that was his defensive specialist role, you could you know, you slotted leak into that before, you know, yeah. And 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 then there was a lot of times too where, like, then I believe in that
1: playoff, you know, and even late in that 2013 season, you started seeing Kruger and leak pairing up as their top kill unit mm-hmm. uh, in terms of forwards. And yeah, those guys were awesome together. They were, they took that stride and ran with it as their responsibility. And I did think it was funny. uh, You know, I, I believe Tony and I got to talk about it a little bit after that wild series, Marcus Kruger was on the second power play unit. Yeah. But he was also their top PK guy. I mean, this was, this was kind of the height of Marcus Kruger, right? It was like late 2012, you started seeing him kind of come into that fourth line role and then really rode that 2013, 14, 15. And then obviously, you know, the, the dismantling began after that 2015 team and they never were quite the same, but, um, and it's just fun. I, 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 really appreciate seeing all that again. Cause I, I loved Marcus Kruger as a player. I know he got, he got a big contract and that's ultimately why he was shipped out of town and he got hurt and was never the same player, but just like, you know, again, just some of these guys on this team, like, you know, I, I, I wish Brian Bickle was never got sick and was still this Brian Bickle. He would never been traded. We never would have lost to go terrifying. And unfortunately that's life, you know, and, and I thank God Bickle's healthy now. And, you know, he's there for his kids and the really important things are, are, are in you know perspective here, but you just forget some of these guys and, and how fun they were to watch on these teams. And that's why I think these Hawks rewinds have been so fun. It's just cause like, you know, and even other teams, guys, like you said, <laughs> who remembers Fabian Bruner, you know, like yeah. it, as soon as you saw that in, the, in our, in our recap here, I was like, Oh god, I forgot about that guy. You know, and, yeah, it just, it's so fun to see it and, and obviously relive it. Relive the emotions, too, because it takes you back. You know, when they're down 3-1, you're like, oh, shit. You know, they're, they're going to lose. You know, this great season's going to be pissed away, and it's all going to come at the hands of the Red Wings. And just remember having that bitter taste in my mouth, and then, you know, they win, then they win. And it's like, okay, you know, game seven. And I still remember where I was when Seabrook scored that goal. I had just gotten home from a friend's house. We were watching, it and I was trying to beat the game home to see the ot winner and i just i couldn't get there unfortunately but i got out of my car i just turned the radio off and i got out of my car and i hear four houses around mine Hmm. pots and pans banging in the house and screaming and i'm like Oh, my God, they won. So I go running in the house and turn it on to see, you know, the highlight of Seabrook of scoring and their dog piled in the corner and Seabrook's looking up and just going, yes. Yeah. And just ah, oh, it's just so fun. You know, it's just if nothing else, it's just kind of reliving that nostalgia and, and the, that feeling you had of like, again, the, literally kind of like the where were you when, you know, this happened type of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing for me and obviously the, the results on the ice, uh, you know, say this. But just for me, thinking about it personally, it's such a roller coaster. Like, you know, it, it always feels so good when you're finally done with the school year. And I, I was at that. You know, I went right after the day after I was done to that game one. We're winning. And I'm on top of the world. And then it goes down and dips and whatever. And I think I was up uh, in Wisconsin where I was this past weekend and with bad service for um, that uh, games three and four. Uh, up in Detroit, and um, you know, so I'm listening to all this, and Taves taking the three consecutive penalties. So live, I actually didn't see Seabrook, but you know, uh, wide a minute pointed it out that Seabrook uh, had gone over to the box and talked to Taves. You know, you're just feeling so low at that point, like oh shit. And then I finally got back and was able to watch that Game Five win. Um, And, you know, like I said, I I, I put in the notes here and even though Taves wasn't absolutely lighting up the score sheet after that game, when, you know, Seabrook got his head back on straight, uh, got Taves head back on straight, um, Taves answers with a goal and then i believe he had a couple of assists uh in the game 6 uh win as well so um roller coaster definitely that that roller coaster of emotions roller coaster of results um all of that and it's fun to go back and relive it all um and crack a few beers and talk about it with you Ron so glad we were able to do this um as we've mentioned on previous episodes uh we were aiming to do this after every series apologies for this one being a day late um memorial day weekend festivities get a lot out of hand with the on tap crew crack 'em uh, mm-hmm. you know how that goes um but yeah uh ron glad we were able to break down all of this obviously a little bit longer episode because we had all the details of um Once again, the NHL return-to-play plan announced all that was covered. Playoff matchups, uh, Hawks will be facing the Oilers, uh, NHL draft lottery. Uh, We'll get more in-depth with that in articles at UntapSportsNet.com and in future podcast episodes. And uh, good to uh, re-jog back this series uh, against Detroit from 2013. Uh, The L.A. series started today, Um, Game 1 did, and I think we will be again a day after. Uh, that series concludes uh, because we want to bring the whole crew together for our next episode. Uh, It's been a while since all four feathers have been able to be on here. So uh, Patrick Comiskey, unfortunately, uh, Saturday, Sunday, the only days that allow for him to record um, in our time frame. So uh, we'll probably be doing that Saturday. And if we can get that done earlier in the day, uh, get that to you uh, before that Hawks rewind starts, that'd be great. Um, and if not, we'll keep discussing all the, uh, you know, developments that come uh, in the next week as more details arise. So, Ron, uh, final thoughts before we sign off here.
1: No, it's just fun getting back on the mic with you, Johnny. I, like you said, I mean, it's been a while since, you know, even three of us have been on an episode and, and it's been a bit of a time. So, uh, you know, good getting on. Good talking Blackhawks. Good talking current Blackhawks news. I think it's it's kind of been a while. Um, we've kind of been yearning to talk you know, Blackhawks news, obviously McDonough really so far has been the only notable news to this point. Um, Yeah. Just excited to see what happens. I mean, you know, even though again, for the purists out there, I know it's not real, you know, traditional playoff structure and everything, but again, it's live sports and, you know, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Do the Blackhawks pull off some crazy run and maybe get to the second round or do they, you know, maybe play a hard fought series in that first play in round, maybe lose in game five and, somehow end up with a top three pick, you know, just so many of the silly things can happen right now. And I feel like it's just appropriate for how 2020 has gone as a year uh, for that to be a possible circumstance where one second they're in a position where, you know, in theory, and it's not necessarily favored, but they're in theory in a position where they could win a Stanley Cup, but they're also in a position where they could require the first overall pick too. So what a time to be alive, Johnny, but like I said, just great to be back on the mic with you. Great talks in Blackhawks hockey. And, you know, like you said, we'll be back again after that King series to, to discuss the Western Conference Finals.
0: Yep, absolutely. Ron, I think you summed it all up best. My last thought is the Hawks are in the playoffs. Like it or not, Um, you know, whether you think they have no chance or have a great chance, um, they, they're back. And that's the fact of the matter here. So uh, we're always here to discuss, break it down with you. And as things get closer, statuses of guys, obviously we'll get more in-depth into that matchup because we cannot wait to be having our post-game shows uh, like we had originally planned. But obviously, coronavirus in 2020 had other plans um, for everything in the world. So um, that being said... One last little plug here before we sign off. Make sure you go to on for all your Chicago literature sports podcasting needs. Um, we will uh be back, as Ron had mentioned, on Saturday, June or excuse me, Saturday, May 30th. I feel like we're almost in June, so it's Memorial Day, which is <laughs> early here. But anyway, yeah, we'll be back with a recap of that King series um leading into the Stanley Cup final, which will be starting later that day, uh on Saturday the thirtieth. So um Check back in. Um, go and if you like us, uh, you, you like our episode, the content that we put out, uh, as always, check out on TapsportsNet.com. But then uh, leave us a review, uh, rating wherever you listen to the podcast Google, Apple, Spotify, what have you, Podbean, Stitcher. It's on all of them. You can find us wherever. Just search for Feathers Podcast and you'll be there. So, Ron, let's close it out like we always do. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.